Praise the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And it reads in uh, NIV. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, may your whole spirit, soul, and body. That uh, scripture was truncated there. Body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the King James, it reads as follows. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I struggled to find uh, a title for this message. Uh, we could give it actually many titles. But let's just say, call it, Being Preserved by God Through Sanctification. Now, this was the Apostle Paul writing to the Thessalonians. And he says, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, to set the stage for our walk this morning, I would like us to to look at the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ and compare it with what he himself said in the Lord's Prayer. The temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ as found in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. The Bible reads, Then was Jesus laid up of the Spirit into the wilderness, to be tempted of the devil. The spirit of the Lord himself led the Lord Jesus Christ into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by the devil. But notice what the Lord Jesus Christ himself says in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13 and we know in the Lord's Prayer, the disciples had gone to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, teach us to pray. And he was telling them, this is the way that you shall pray. And of course, all of us know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven and so on and so forth. But when he comes to verse 13, he says, you, you should pray and say to the Lord God and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It says you shall pray and say to the Lord God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now contrast uh, this with uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1 where the Bible tells us that the Spirit of the Lord led the Lord Jesus Christ into the wilderness to be tempted. In other words, the Lord was led to be tempted by the devil. But he says, you will pray to God. Lead us not into temptation. Now, what is the difference here? The difference here is that the Lord Jesus Christ was completely holy at the time that he was being laid to be tempted of the devil. He was, if you like, the finished product, the perfect human being who was also God. And so he was laid to be tempted to prove that he was perfect. And we all know the temptation, how the devil tempted him in many aspects. We can look at that. And after that, the Bible tells us in, in, in verse 2 of Matthew chapter 4, he says, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, 
he was afterwards hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And the devil did not stop there. The Bible tells us that the devil takes him up into the holy city and sets him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, the devil takes him up into an exceedingly high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of the kingdoms of, of them. And said unto him, all these things will I give you if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall you serve. So the Lord Jesus Christ passed the test because he was the perfect man. He was the perfect man. He was the finished product. And so the Bible tells us, that the Holy Spirit led him to be tempted to prove who he was, that he was indeed the Son of God and that he was perfect. But he tells us, don't try this at home. <laughs> he says, when you are praying, pray to the Lord God. Lead us not into temptation. Why? Because we are not perfect. We are moving towards becoming like the Lord Jesus Christ. We are moving towards being like him exactly. But we are not yet there. We are still on the way. We are still work in progress. And so he says, when you pray, pray to the Lord God. Lead us not into temptation. Because if you like, if, if it was motor vehicles, we are still on the assembly plant. Not yet finished. Now, can you imagine a, a car that is still on the assembly line? Maybe the, the wheels are not yet been tightened. You know, then you give it to Pastor Agai, the way he drives, and tell him, go to Chikankata and come back in two hours. <laughs> Before he gets to Kafue, the car will bazamuka. In other words, it will fall apart. Because it is still on the assembly line. You do not take it for the taste. You do not take it into temptation because it is work in progress. And we as children of God are on the journey to becoming like the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our ultimate goal. I remember one time when, when we still had the cell um, meetings, uh, somebody asked in, in one of the meetings, uh, it says, does it mean that, uh, you know, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes, we will be holy, we will be again like Adam and Eve? <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. If we go back to becoming like Adam and Eve, we'll end up sinning again. But when Jesus Christ comes, the Bible says that we shall be like him. We shall be like him, that the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And then we, when we are like him, then... We can be taken to be tempted or anything, knowing that we will pass the test because we will have been out of the assembly line. And Pastor Agai would be able to drive that car to Chikankata and back in two hours, and it will still be intact because we shall be like him. We shall be like the Lord Jesus Christ. But for now, we are still on that journey. The journey of becoming like the Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians, and this is the process of sanctification that we are going through as people of God and as Christians. We are going through the process 
of sanctification. And when we go back to our text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, where the Bible tells us, may the Lord, may the God of peace, the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray that God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. So we are on this journey. And we are undergoing the process of sanctification. Now I know that we understand sanctification as, you know, being set apart. As holy unto the Lord. Now when we come to the Lord, we are at that point sanctified and justified before God and set apart. But at the same time, we begin a journey of being made holy, being made more holy. This is the process of sanctification. Until we reach a point where the devil will find nothing in us. If you look at John chapter 14 and verse 30, we'll be looking at uh, a lot of scriptures this morning. John chapter 14 and verse 30. And the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking here and he says, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and he has nothing in me. The Lord Jesus Christ says here that the devil comes and he finds nothing in me. He finds nothing that belongs to him. He finds nothing that he can point at. Just like during the, the, the time of temptation. He tried this, he tried that, but he found nothing that he could hold on to in the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not find any envy. He did not find jealousy. He did not find hatred in Christ. He did not find any lust. He did not find anything evil. And Jesus said, the devil comes and he finds nothing in me. And we are moving in that direction. We are moving on that journey where we will be able to say that the devil comes and he finds nothing in me. Just at the moment, we should pray that God leads us not into temptation because the devil might just find one or two things that he takes advantage of. And so, the process of sanctification is both to be set apart and it also the process of being made holy in the course of our lives. In other words, we, we are changed from one degree of glory to another. On a daily basis, we must see some improvement in our lives. On a daily basis, we must see ourselves becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ as we are sanctified. We've already referred to the fact that at the time that we come to the Lord, we are set apart and justified by faith. This we can find in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Which therefore, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have been justified by faith and set apart. But then after that now we begin the journey of being made holy, of sanctification. Throughout our lives we undergo the process of sanctification. Which sometimes is referred to as being made holy. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 tells us, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 tells us, According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. According as he has chosen us, that we should be holy and without blame. This is a process that we are going through. Until we reach a point 
God has chosen us that we should be holy and without blame in him, in Christ Jesus. So the process of sanctification can be referred to as the process of being made holy. And also it is a process of becoming more and more like Christ. Becoming more and more like Christ. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of God and the Father. Even, even so we should walk in newness of life. We should walk in newness of life. Walk in the life of Christ. As Christ was raised from the dead. Even, even so we should walk in newness of life. The Bible also tells us in another place, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. The other way we can look at sanctification is a process of growing in Christ. It is a process of growing in Christ. As Christians, we do not stay at one point, but we are growing, growing every day. In Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. Talks about growing in Christ. But speaking the truth in love. You may grow up into him in all things. Which is the head even Christ. That we may grow up in him. That we may grow up in Christ. And become more and more like him. And so we come back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. After having established the fact that we are to pray in the Lord's Prayer, it says, lead us not into temptation. Realizing the fact that we are still growing in Christ. Realizing the fact that we are still being made holy by the Lord God himself. And realizing the fact that we have embarked on this journey of becoming more and more like Christ. And realizing the fact that we are still on the assembly line, that God is working on us, that we are work in progress, but we are making progress. We are progressing from one degree of glory to another. There's a song that we used to sing many years ago. Little by little, he's changing me. Line after line, until I am free. Jesus is changing me. This should be our posture every day. This should be the posture of our lives, that we are submitting ourselves to God, that we are giving ourselves over to God to be changed, to be transformed. And the ultimate, the goal is to be like Christ. That is our ultimate. Many times we fail in our Christian lives because we want to change ourselves. We want to become, you know, a better version of ourselves by making our own efforts. By making our own, our own efforts. You know, say, yesterday I did this, today I want to do this so that I am a better person. And many times we fail because we are still work in progress. What the Bible is encouraging us this morning is to submit ourselves to God and God himself is the one that does the work of sanctification. When we go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, we see that sanctification is the work of God himself. The Bible says, the very God of peace sanctify you. And you notice here that the Apostle Paul was talking to the Thessalonians who had already been converted to God, who were already Christians like us. And he was saying, the very God of peace sanctify you. He is the God of peace. It means God has already reconciled himself unto us. The Bible says that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. He had to do it himself. And because we have been reconciled to God, we have peace with God. We are not at war with God. And so we can freely come to him and expect him to work on our lives, to work on us through this process of sanctification, 
of making us more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, the very God of peace sanctify you. Are we giving ourselves over to the God of peace to transform our lives, to sanctify our lives? Or are we keeping to ourselves? Or are we thinking that it is something that we can do for ourselves? Or are we making efforts to change ourselves and failing every day? Because it is God who does the work of sanctification. So because we have peace with God, we have been reconciled to him, we can trust him to complete the process. We can trust him to complete the process of sanctification. Many times we give up on ourselves too early. Sometimes we beat ourselves so much because we expect us or ourselves to be perfect without going through the process of sanctification. You find yourself, you fall here and there, you make a mistake here and there, you even begin to doubt whether you are a Christian or not. How can a Christian do such a thing? You are on the assembly line. Give yourself over to God that he may work on you through this work of sanctification. So then we find that it is God himself who does the work of sanctification. What then is our role? We need to respond to God. We need to respond to God. In the same scripture, First Thessalonians, the, the, the scriptures just before that, in verse 19, it says, quench not the spirit of God. In other words, we should not, to use a modern term, frustrate the Holy Spirit by our own disobedience. We must not frustrate the Holy Spirit by doing things that are contrary to him. But we need to submit ourselves to the spirit of God. We must be aware that the Holy Spirit is with us, that the Holy Spirit is upon us, that the Holy Spirit is within us. And so we must allow him to do that work of sanctification. We must yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. That is our role. Number one, quench not the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us. We must yield to God. Give ourselves to God. The Bible tells us that God is the porter and we are the clay. Now we, we are the type of clay that resists the, the, the porter sometimes. Now can you imagine the clay resisting No, don't make me this way. Do it this way. That's how we are. But can you imagine now the, 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 the clay and the porter? The clay does not resist the porter. The porter does as he wills with the clay. If we will allow God to work upon our lives as the porter does to the clay, then we will see ourselves growing and being transformed from one degree of glory to another. The issue is submitting ourselves to God. The Lord Jesus Christ, you know, the, the, the Lord God himself asked the question, shall the clay say to the porter, what are you making? Why are you making me this way? Many times we are like that. We argue with God. We argue with God. We need to have our wills submitted to God. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the porter. I am the clay. Many times this is where we have failed. 
This is where we fail because we do not give the Lord God our will and let him work on us. We have things that we want to do for ourselves. and That's why we struggle. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ himself also said, please pray that God does not lead you into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Because our will, we want to keep for ourselves. The Bible tells us, submit yourselves unto God. As the Lord Jesus Christ himself was. Who was humble. He humbled himself and submitted himself unto God. Even though he was God, the Bible tells us that he considered it not something to hold on to, to grasp and say, I, I will not let this go. I will not be treated like a commoner. I am God. I am the son of God. The Bible says that he humbled himself even unto death, even the death of the cross. Gave up his will. He says, not my will, Father, but your will be done. That is something that we as people of God find very difficult to say and to do. Not my will, but yours be done. We should submit ourselves to God as the clay to the potter and allow God, allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Allow the Lord God to shape us in a way that he wants. And the Bible tells us that when we do so, we shall be growing in the Lord. The other thing we must do also, apart from yielding and submitting our lives to God, is to abide in him. To abide in Christ Jesus. Like he said in John chapter 15 and verse 14. The gospel of John chapter 15 and verse 14. Uh, verse 4, sorry. 15 verse 4. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abides in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. Abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. In modern day time, we, we call it being plugged into the Lord. Being plugged into the Lord. Abiding in him and I in you. One of the prayers of the Apostle Paul that he prayed in Colossians, I think, he said that I may be found in him that I may be found in Christ. And this should be the prayer of each one of us, that we may be found in Christ. And if the Apostle Paul himself, the Apostle Paul who had an encounter with the Lord God, a supernatural encounter, and the Lord God spoke to him and said, so, so, why are you persecuting me? And so answered and said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So he says, what would you have me to do? He had that encounter with God, with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he knew that he had had that experience and he was in Christ. But when he was writing to the, to the Colossians, he says, I still pray. I pray. My hope and desire is that I may be found in Christ. Not having a righteousness of my own, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus. And this should be the desire of each one of us. If we miss this point, then we have missed it all. To desire that we may be found in Christ Jesus. Not having a righteousness of our own, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus. That we may abide in him. That we may be found in him all the time. If you're here this morning and you are not sure whether you are in Christ. You are not sure whether you are found in him. This could be your day. 
to pray the simple prayer of being found in Christ Jesus. When we are in Christ, the Bible also talks about remaining in him. That means that we continue to abide in him. We continue to depend upon him. We continue to pray to him and through him. We continue to have our faith in Christ Jesus. Then the Bible tells us that we are abiding in him. And if we abide in him, then we shall bear fruit. Because he is the vine and we are the branches. The branch cannot bear fruit without abiding in the vine. The branch cannot bear fruit without being in the tree trunk because it is a tree trunk that draws through its roots the foods and the sap from the ground to feed the branches so that the branches may bear fruit. And this is sometimes where we miss it. That as Christians, we are not supposed to crank up good works. Crank them up. But they are supposed to come out naturally as fruit. As the fruit of our lives. Because we are abiding in him. Because we are abiding in Christ Jesus. Then the fruit of the Holy Spirit will naturally grow from our lives. And people shall see the fruit of the, of the Holy Spirit. And they shall know that we are abiding in Christ Jesus. When we bear fruit. We remain in him. We shall bear fruit. And fruit that will abide. Fruit that will last. Is what is expected of us. So the second point is that we need to abide in Christ Jesus. That is our role, second role. Yield to him, submit our will to God, abide in him. The third thing that is our role, which we are requested to do, is in verse 22 of the same First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. This is something that, you know, we are being told to do. And God cannot ask us to do something that he knows we are not able to do. So this is our role. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Many times we pray that we may not be laid into temptation. But many times we lead ourselves there. We lead ourselves into temptation. We take ourselves to places where we should not be. We associate ourselves with people that we should not be associating with. We find ourselves doing the things that we should not be doing, which we know. And we have the power to abstain from, the, from these things. The Bible tells us, abstain from all manner of evil, from all appearance, the King James says, of evil. How many things are you doing which you know are evil? How many places are you going to where you even know I shouldn't be here? How many associations are you keeping which you know very well that you shouldn't be keeping these associations? The Bible tells us abstain. That is our role in the process of sanctification. Abstain from all appearance of evil. The Bible tells us. We know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are even thinking of the things and the places that you've been going to, the things that you've been doing, which you know you shouldn't, 
The Spirit of God is convicting us right now. Telling us about these things. It is our role in the process of sanctification to keep away from certain things. And we know them. The Bible is telling us. So, in the scripture that we are considering, tells us that God himself is the one that sanctifies. But we have this role to play. We must yield to him. We must abide in him. We must abstain from all manner and all forms of evil. So it says, may the Lord himself sanctify you wholly. Sanctify you through and through, the NIV says. And so this is not a partial sanctification. It is not a partial sanctification whereby one aspect of your life is sanctified, one aspect of your life is growing, but the other is not. At least me, I don't gossip. But you know the other things that you do. It is not partial. It is total and complete sanctification that God is wanting to do in our lives. Or until in all areas of our lives we become like the Lord Jesus Christ. So he tells us until both your body your soul and your spirit be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord or until you die. Whichever one comes first. Your body, your soul, and your spirit. The total person, the total man must be sanctified and preserved blameless. In other words, God wants to sanctify us, to make us holy, so that at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, the enemy will find nothing in us. The enemy, we will be blameless. He won't find anything to accuse us of. Blameless at the coming of the Lord. And we will only be blameless if we are found in Christ Jesus and we have allowed God to complete the process of sanctification in our lives whereby we are moving and becoming more and more like Christ on a daily basis. And on that day, the Bible says that our body, soul, and spirit should be preserved blameless at the appearing of the Lord. You don't want the Lord Jesus Christ has come and he's there. And the devil to come and start pointing fingers at you. Ah, now we want to be sanctified to the point of being blameless at the coming of the Lord. And so it is the total man or woman, if you like, body, soul, and spirit. Now the body. The Bible tells us that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now are we keeping our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit this morning? What are we doing with our bodies? The Bible says that the body must be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your whole body, soul, and spirit must be preserved. Our bodies as a temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18.
1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18. Bible tells us from the King James. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sins against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have of God. And you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. I'll read that again. Verse 18, flee fornication. Everything that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sins against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you, whom you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. I'll let that sink for a while. We have been bought with a price. Body and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit, if you like. We do not belong to ourselves. You cannot use your body as you please. Because it is the temple of God. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Who God has given us of his spirit to live and to dwell in us. Your body needs to be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. And our role in this case is to flee. Run. Run away, the Bible tells us. This is our role. Do not take yourself into tempting situations, which will, you know will lead you to committing these things against the body, which is not your own, but belongs to God. No, he's just a friend of mine. We are just friends. Flee. Run. Away. No, we're just uh, colleagues at work. Flee, the Bible says. And we know the situations that we are supposed to flee from. I'm not saying resign your job because they are beautiful girls there. No. But we know the situations that we are supposed to flee from because we are to keep our bodies as temples of the Holy Ghost because we have been bought. We have been purchased with a price. And the price was the death of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's our role in the process of sanctification. The sanctification of the body is to flee, to run away from these things. Flee fornication. The other thing that we should keep away from, to keep the temple of the Holy Ghost holy, is drunkenness. Drunkenness. Romans chapter 13 and verse 13. Romans 13, 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife. Okay. Let's read it from the NIV. 
But can you put the NIV there, please? <laughs> Somehow, when we were in school, we always grew up thinking that the King James was more spiritual than all the other. <laughs> Sometimes we would even joke and say, the King James language, that's the language that the Lord Jesus spoke. <laughs> okay. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in carousing and drunkenness. Not in sexual immorality and debauchery. Not in dissension and jealousy. So we pick out drunkenness there. Another way of keeping the body as the temple of the Holy Spirit is to abstain from drunkenness. You know, many times we try and justify, you know, the Bible does not forbid drinking. You know, you can drink a little, what, 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 you know. But that's how it starts. The road to drunkenness starts with the first sip. And it goes on. And, and so, so instead of, instead of uh, being sanctified and growing in the things of God, you begin to grow now towards drunkenness. Because you started with the first sip. Our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Drunkenness must be kept away from the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, let us walk decently, not in drunkenness. You people who believe in sipping a little here and there, you know, why, why are you even doing it? Are you doing it to enjoy it? Or to, 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 to feed the temple of the Holy Spirit with a little of that? Let us keep away. One other thing, I, I couldn't find the scripture, but uh, I know it's there. It talks about gluttony. It's there, Elder. Eh? <laughs> There's a scripture that talks about, you know, warns us about gluttony. You know, you know, no. <laughs> In Bemba, we say, Wuka tu vimulila kulepuka. That is not good for the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, let us just eat in moderation what we need to eat. Uh, when I find that scripture, or if it, has anyone found the scripture that talks about gluttony? We are not reading the Bible. Or well, we read it a long time ago. That's another thing we should be careful. Not to eat too much and overfeed the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? To the point where, <laughs> where <laughs> I tell you a story from national service. We were the last batch, you know, you've heard Bishop talk about national service. We were uh, the last group of people to go for national service. And so there, you know, there was, there was a lot of hunger. But we, we used to get uh, monthly allowances. I think it was about six kwacha per month. It was a lot of money then. So when we got that allowance, people would like to, you know, wanted to, to really, you know, like catch up <laughs> on the food. So one, one guy went, uh, when we got the allowance, he went and bought a pan of, of buns. You know, we used to call it amabono. Buns. He went and a whole pan. I don't know if they were 30 or something. <laughs> and he got a 2.5 uh, liter container, you know, plastic container, and put a quarter of it, put in sugar, and filled the rest of it with, uh, with water, and shook it, shook it, shook it, and went and sat under a tree. <laughs> he finished, and, and this is a true story. <laughs> He finished. Now he sat under that tree. 
he was failing to, to, to get up. <laughs> so we were passing nearby. So he was just saying, eh, eh. <laughs> pointing at his stomach. So we, we rushed there. We thought maybe the brother had been bitten by a snake or something. So we rushed there. And then when he was sitting there, and you see the car. <laughs> the the, the 2.5 container was lying there empty. And the, the paper where the buns were wrapped was... <laughs> We had to take him to the clinic. That's where he was helped. Now imagine treating the temple of God like that. It, it is not nice. Thank you very much. Uh, I think this is a scripture about uh, Proverbs 23, 20 to 21. Let's, let's just look at it and see. Proverbs 23. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty. For drunkards and gluttons become poor. And drowsiness clothes them in rags. <laughs> okay? But there's another one I think that specifically you know, warns about against uh, glutton. But, but there it is. You see? Thank you. All those scriptures. Uh, please make note on them. Uh, you, you said again? Deuteronomy 21 verse 20. 1 John 2. Uh-huh. 15 to 17. This one sounds interesting. Let's say. Uh, Mm, mm. The last of the flesh, you know, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe him we can excuse him. It was after weeks and weeks of hunger, so. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So the body, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we must keep them as such. Flee fornication. Run away. Keep away from drunkenness. Keep away from gluttony. Because our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And also the soul. Remember the scripture has talked about the body, soul, and spirit. The soul also, and the spirit, we read the scripture, it says, belongs to God. And there are certain things that we must abstain from, which affect the soul. That is our role. We read from First Thessalonians, the scripture, which says, abstain from all appearance of evil. And Galatians 5, 19 and 21 talks about some of the works of the flesh that we need to abstain from. To keep away from these things. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. Verse 19 to 21. Let's read it from the NIV. Now the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Verse 20 idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, there it is again, ogies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Some of the things that we should keep away from, abstain from, which impede our sanctification and affect the soul. We have seen them all there. Fits of rage. Temper. 
Some of you are even proud that people say, ah, but I've had temperature. Those are feats of rage. They are acts and works of the flesh. They affect your soul and impede your, your progress in sanctification. Things like jealousy and envy. Some of you think that these are small things. And some of you don't even realize. You don't realize that you are jealous and you envy other people. These are works of the flesh. Idolatry and witchcraft. Idolatry is obviously idolizing anything or anyone else other than worshipping the Lord God himself. Hatred. I'm surprised sometimes you hear of Christians saying, I, I don't like that person. I just hate that person. It is a work of the flesh to hate someone. I don't like him naturally. What do you mean you don't like him naturally? <laughs> Hatred is something that we must keep away from. Even heresies, eh? False teachings. Hmm? We must watch our lives and our doctrine, the Bible tells us. So these are things that we must keep away from. Once we keep away from these things and we give ourselves over to the Lord, the Bible tells us that God himself will do the sanctification. The Holy Spirit himself will make us more and more like Christ. He will make us more and more like Christ. And as we continue to abide in him, we will naturally produce fruit that is worthy of the Lord. Verse 22 there again says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Once we keep away from these things and we give ourselves over to the Lord, th these are not works. These are the fruits of the Spirit. When the Spirit of God is operating in us, these things will naturally come out as we undergo the process of sanctification. Body, soul, and spirit. Of course, there's some debate about the composition of, of the human being, but being body, soul, and spirit. But when it comes to the spirit of the spirit of man. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 that we have been made alive. We who were dead in sin and trespasses. In other words, when Adam and, sin, and, Adam and Eve sinned, they died spiritually. The soul still there. The body was still there. I mean, the soul was there. The person inside the body was still able to talk and communicate and so on, but the spirit was dead. And the Bible tells us that God is a spirit. And so the spirit of man is what God communicates with. The spirit part of man is what communicates with God. And the Bible tells us that that must be kept alive. We must be spiritually alive. Romans 8 verse 13. Romans 8 verse 13. Romans chapter 8 and verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, 
you shall die. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So you see, the, the deeds of the body and the deeds of, of the soul, they affect the health of the spirit in man. And the Bible is warning us here that if you live according to the flesh, you will die. It means the spirit part of you that communicates with God will die. And that's why we talk about being revived. You know, being revived because we are no longer maybe as spiritual as we should be. That's why we talk about being spiritual and so on because God speaks to us through the spirit man. And it comes like a still small voice. When I was a young Christian, I used to wonder when people would come and say, you know, you know, last night I was praying and the Lord said to me, you know, and I said, but Lord, you know, it's like they would hold a conversation with God. And I used to wonder, ah, I'm a guy is well around and Yes. God speaks. But if your spirit man is dead, you will not hear God speaking because you are spiritually dead. And the Bible says that we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but God has made us alive. He has made us alive. And as we continue to live according to the spirit of God, our spirit man will become even more and more alive and we will be able to hear what God is saying. Many times you have heard Bishop say here, let me obey the Lord. I hear the Lord saying. Because the, the, the Lord God, you know, who is in spirit form, drops, if you like, thoughts in our spirits. And he speaks to us. So when you hear Bishop saying, you know, sometimes something could be going on. And he even pauses. He had heard something from God. And this is not a preserve of the bishops. This is not a preserve of a privileged few who hear from God. All of us should be able to hear from God. God should be able to speak to us. God will give you specific instructions and talk to you through the spirit man, which must be kept alive and well for God to communicate and, and to interact with us, to give us instructions, to tell us wherein we should go. All of us must be able to hear the voice of God. Amen? It is not just the bishop. It is not just Pastor Haggai when he comes here to thunder. We must all be able to hear the voice of God. Because the Bible says that we have been made alive. We were dead in sin and trespasses. But God has made us alive. And God speaks. God can tell you to, to change direction. You are going this way. God can tell you, not this way, go the other way. Obey. God can tell you, don't do this. Obey. Because when our spirit man is alive, God will speak to you. Many times, many people in the world, they get lied to by the so-called papas. Because the papas claim that they are the only ones who, who hear God. That's if they even do at all. But people go to them and I hear, you know, the, I hear the, the God saying to you, my sister, do this, this, and that. But because you yourself, you can't hear God. You have to believe what the papa says. But we need to understand that we can all hear the voice of God. God speaks to us because our spirit man is alive. He's alive. Amen. Praise God. So we must remain alive to hear the voice 
of God. We must be able to, to say, the Lord said to me. And we must be able to tell other people, thus saith the Lord. And those other people must also be able to confirm within their spirits and say, yes, the Lord is saying what you are saying, my brother. Amen. So, basically what we are saying this morning is that we are being worked on by God by way of sanctification. We are being changed from one degree of glory to another. But we also have a role to play. We have a role to play. We need to submit ourselves to God. We need to abstain and keep away from certain things. And uh, we need to make sure that we keep ourselves spiritually alive so that we can hear the voice of God. Praise the Lord. Amen.